Good morning. What an awesome worship set. We've got an incredible worship team. We're so grateful for that. If you are here at Woodvale for the first time, we would love to connect with you just a little bit more. And on our website, there's a connect card. If you could fill that out, we will get back to you as soon as we can. And we just love to learn a little bit more about each other. Also, faithful giving. We are so appreciative of your faithful giving. And on our website, there's a button called Give. If you click that, it'll explain all the different options available to you. We've got a couple announcements for you this morning. We have a virtual men's breakfast on Zoom on Saturday, August the 8th, and we would love you to join that, men. So take a look on our website under Upcoming Events, and you can register there. Also, if you're participating in our backpack drive this year, which we hope you are, just remember that those are due on uh, Sunday, August the 16th. And thank you so much for your participation and helping out our community in that way. And now join us for an amazing sermon. Well, good morning, Woodvale. It is so great to see all of you here this morning. And for those watching online, thanks for tuning in this morning. Well, I want to give a huge shout out and honor to our pastors this morning, Pastor Mark and Evelyn. They are actually away on holidays this weekend, and we're praying that they would have an amazing time away and that they would come back refreshed and ready to go in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're just praying for them. We love them so much. Well, you can see there's some props behind me. We're going to get to these in just a second. Today is a Unite service. And our Unite services are happen once a month, every first week of the month. And it's, it's geared for our kids to come into our services. And we're going to make this as interactive as possible. So uh, don't get distracted by my big plush animals just yet. We're going to get to those. Well, I want to dive right into the Word. I don't want to waste any time this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up right now to Acts chapter 2, verse 43. It's going to be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible this morning. But while you're opening that up, I want to give you some context of this verse. Now, Acts chapter 2, this is one of our favorite chapters as a Pentecostal church. This is the day of Pentecost when Holy Spirit came and poured out His Spirit. And there were the believers were baptized in Holy Spirit. And then Peter boldly got up in front of a group of people and preached boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in a moment, 3,000 people were saved. It's powerful. We talk about it often, and this is an incredible moment of the witness of how Holy Spirit can empower us to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's happening right before this verse. And then verse 43 and on starts talking about the context of what the early church looked like. These 3,000 people got saved. They gave their hearts to the Lord. And then afterwards, it starts talking about what that early church experience looked like. And so let's read this together. Verse 43 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anybody who had need. They were, in this moment, the believers said, I don't care what the cost. I will sell everything I have to follow Jesus. I don't care what I have to give up. I will give it all for the kingdom of God. It's powerful. Every day, verse 46, they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And verse 47 says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much that we're able to meet in person in the middle of a pandemic like this safely, God. That we're able to live in a country like Canada, God, where we're, 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 we're able to meet, Father, and worship your name. 
God, I pray for every single one here or online. God, I pray, Father, that we would not leave this moment the same. That Holy Spirit, you would transform us and change us. Because if we have an encounter with Holy Spirit, how can we leave the same? So God, I pray this right now. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name. And everyone with their masks on said, amen, amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had an extravagant moment to share the gospel with somebody? A moment so etched in time you can remember like it was yesterday. That was so empowered by Holy Spirit, you'll never forget that. Can I tell you about a story that I have that I'll never forget this moment that I got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? When I was in Bible college, I was so zealous for the working of Holy Spirit. I remember going out to the street with a group of my friends, and we would walk the streets, and we would find people on the streets, and we would go up and, and pray for them. We'd say, hey, can we, can we pray for you? We'd see people who are in wheelchairs, and we'd go up, and we would say, we believe God can heal. We're going to pray that you get out of that wheelchair. We're so on fire for just the working of Holy Spirit. And I remember we, uh, in second year, we decided, a group of six of us decided that we were going to rent our first place. In first year in Bible college, you have to stay on the dormitories. In second year, we were like, okay, hey, we're getting out of here. We're going to rent a place. We're going to find a spot. And so there were six of us. We rented this little house across from the Bible college. And I remember this moment where we actually crossed the street and we met the landlord there. And the landlord started touring us around this house, showing us all the rooms. And so I got this bear behind me right now because this bear is actually going to represent my landlord. Again, this is a Unite service. This is for all the boys and girls watching right now. And so this is representing my, my landlord, okay? And so our landlord was walking around the house with us and showing us all the rooms in the home. And we were so excited. This is right across from the college there were six of us in this little tiny house. I promise you, it was definitely not fit for six college men. But we loved it. We were so ready to move into this place. And this landlord's walking us around, showing us all the rooms. And all the tenants who were actually currently there were still in the rooms. It's kind of awkward. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that. But we were just so ex- excited to, to walk through this house and see where we would be living. We decided this is the house. This is it. This is where we're going to live. And so there was a family room downstairs. And we sat down with the landlord. We were sitting in a circle. And uh, we'll call this bear Billy. And Billy will represent my landlord. And I remember Billy was sitting down. And, and Billy began to describe what the cost would be and going through all the lease agreements. We're like, yeah, yeah, sounds good. We're going to sign. We're just so excited to be here. But what we noticed is that Billy, as Billy is walking us around this house, had a cast on their leg. And, and we noticed this. They had a broken leg, and they were telling us about how they broke their leg in a situation. I don't exactly remember how they broke it. But we were sitting around in the circle, and once we signed the papers, one of my friends stood up and said, hey, Billy, well, can, we, can we pray for you? And I can remember the landlord's face just being kind of puzzled, like, sure, I guess. And we said, we, we just believe in a God who heals And we want to pray for you. And so we gathered around Billy, and we got down on our knees, and we began to lay hands on on Billy's leg, and we began to cry out and say, God, would you heal Billy in Jesus' name? And then we asked, okay, do you feel better? Do you feel like the pain's gone? And they said, no. So we said, okay. All right, God, I see what you're doing here. Okay, we're going to pray again. If that's okay with you, can, can we pray for you again? Sure. Okay, so we laid hands on Billy, began to start praying again. Then we asked Billy, do you feel any better? No. We say, okay, this might sound so weird, but we just believe in a God who can heal. 
And boys and girls, if you're watching this right now, we believe in a God who can heal anything. He is bigger than any disease or sickness. And we were like, man, we really believe that we can heal. God can heal your leg this morning. And so we prayed again. We're like, this might sound so weird, but we want to pray one more time. So we laid hands on Billy, started praying. We were praying loudly. And, and Billy began to weep. And we asked, what's wrong? What's going on? And Billy began to describe that, that they had never had somebody ask to pray for them before. In fact, they have never prayed themselves before. And they were overcome with emotions that a group of men would want to pray for, for the broken leg. And so we said, okay, that's awesome. And, and, and then Billy actually stood up and stood on the broken leg with no pain. And it was this moment that I'll never forget, weeping. The landlord was weeping. This is a person who's never stood inside of a church before. And a group of men just decided that, hey, we believe in a God who can heal. We're going to pray for you. And so then they, they, we got them plugged into a church. And what was really cool is the tenants who were actually staying overheard us praying because we were praying pretty loudly. And they actually came to one of our services at the Bible college. Super cool. Have you ever had an experience like that? An experience you'll never forget, that you were able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, a young adult came up to me and actually messaged me because we weren't able to meet. Said, hey, Pastor Kyle, I'm going to be going downtown Ottawa. I'm going to throw a mask on. I'm going to take a friend. And we're actually going to start witnessing to some people downtown. We're going to go to some homeless people and just tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that fired me up as a pastor that some of our young adults here at Woodvale would be so zealous for the gospel of Jesus Christ that no matter what the pandemic may look like, they're going to throw some masks on and go tell people about Jesus. That's awesome. On the flip side, right before COVID hit, a youth came up to me on a Friday night. And for those who don't know, I'm the youth, one of the youth pastors here. And, and a youth came up to me on a Friday night and said, hey, Pastor Kyle, can you pray for me? I said, yeah, of course. What can I pray for? And they said, well, I'm really sad said, okay, well, why are you sad? And they said, well, I invited a friend out tonight to youth, and they didn't come. And I was bummed about that, and they were bummed about that. And I said, okay, well, tell me what I can specifically pray for. And they were describing that, well, I'm really sad because my friend will never get to know Jesus. And in this one moment as a youth pastor, I got so excited I was like, wow, this youth associates a Friday night gathering with the potential salvation of their friend? I'm so excited that they believe this is a place that they're, they're welcome to invite friends out to, and they believe God can transform them in a moment. But then, I realized what I was thinking. And I recognized that this youth only associated the salvation of their friend with the location. Church. When did evangelism only become about getting someone to a physical somewhere? Have we become too comfortable with the word evangelism? Oh, I'm going to ask that again. Have we become too comfortable with the word evangelism that when we hear that word, it doesn't stir our spirit? Have we become too comfortable with those in our family who don't know Christ? Those who live beside us who don't know Christ? Our co-workers who don't yet know Jesus? Have we become comfortable. You see, this morning we're finishing our uncomfortable series, and this morning we're talking on, if you haven't picked this up yet, uncomfortable evangelism. And this morning, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is my bottom line. It's simply, evangelism isn't meant to be comfortable. It's when we get uncomfortable for, uncomfortable for God, lives are transformed. 
Evangelism is, evangelism is never supposed to be comfortable. But it's when we allow ourselves to get uncomfortable for Holy Spirit to use us that lives are transformed. You need to get uncomfortable for those around you who don't know Jesus. That should keep you up at night. Your neighbors who don't know Christ, that should keep you up at night. Your family who don't yet know Jesus, that should keep you up at night. Church, we can't get comfortable about evangelism because he was not comfortable upon that cross. Let that sink in. Let's get back to the word of God. Acts 2 verse 47. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Could you imagine this moment? As I was reading this this week, I was just blown away. Daily. Boys and girls, could you imagine, like, every single day, one of your best friends coming to church? Like, getting saved and just knowing Jesus? Could you imagine every single day, believers being added to the church? I could imagine this being like COVID-19 Costco, with lineups down the outside of the building. And the people are down, lined up outside the temple courts, just wanting to get into this church experience, and just wanting to know this Jesus. Could you imagine... The Holy Spirit was working in powerful, powerful ways. And I believe this morning there were two reasons why we saw such unprecedented growth in the early church. Pastor Mark talked about it a couple weeks ago when he talked on uncomfortable fellowship. And he talked on the idea of koinonia, to do life together. You see, I believe that the early church was a healthy church. And I believe a healthy church attracts people to Christ because it looks like Christ. I think that when, when a healthy church looks like Christ, people are attracted to it. There's an excitement. People want to be a part of a healthy, growing community. The early church's zeal for worship and brotherly love was just contagious. And I think Woodvale is a good representation of a healthy church because a healthy church grows in numbers. And the people were meeting in the temple courts, and God was doing a great and mighty work. And this was key. But this is where I want to camp out this morning. The second part of why the church was seeing such great growth was that the people didn't stay inside the courts. You see, evangelism is more, about, more than just staying inside the building. It's the going out and telling people about Jesus. It's going out and getting excited about what God is doing. It's the going out and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? You've heard this verse. Many of you have heard this verse, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Jesus is saying, therefore, go... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go. You can't stay. He's like, you got to go. Don't just get comfortable here. You got you to gotta go. Uh, you can't just stay here. You got to go. I was writing my message this week, and I came up with a, such a cheesy, cheesy, uh, cringy line, but I think it's so true, and it's just simply, the church didn't grow without the go. Oh, it's so cheesy, I know. It's so, so cheesy, but it's so true. The church didn't grow without the go. We need to get uncomfortable and get out of the walls and tell people about Jesus. See, the early church, they were growing because it wasn't just the apostles telling people about Jesus. It wasn't just the pastors. It was the body of believers telling everyone they knew about this Jesus. You got to hear about this Jesus. There was an urgency. The Bible says there was an awe of the miracles performed by the apostles, verse 43. They were in awe and wonder of what God was doing. He was performing incredible, incredible miracles in this moment. 
Here's a question for you. Have you ever been so in awe of something that you've had a reverent fear for it? Okay, I want to tell you a story. Uh, I've got a lion over here. This lion, we'll call him Simba. Okay, and so this is Simba. I found this upstairs in Pastor Shelley's closet with all the kids' toys, and I thought this would be perfect. So Natasha and I were on holidays last week, and we took little Brooklyn, our son, to the zoo. And we went to the zoo, and there were, there were bears, and there were tigers, and then there was the lion. And I remember it so clearly. We walked around this corner, and I'm going to put Simba in this cage here. All right, Simba's in his cage. We're walking around the corner, and I remember seeing this lion cage and being like, whew, that's a big animal. And, and I was like, man, I don't even want to get close to the cage. And I remember Natasha and I were walking close to it, and we, we actually kept like a 20-foot distance just from the cage alone. I had such a respect for this animal and the power that it had. I didn't even want to get close to the cage. It's a true story. We didn't get close. I could see it, see it just uh, walking in the distance in the cage. And I was like, what if it just even got out of the cage? It's such a powerful animal. And it was encaged. It couldn't get out. But I said, what if? I had such a respect for this animal, a reverent fear for it. And I just kept my distance because I was so in awe of the power of this animal. I was like, man, like I just, I don't even want to get close and in the same way that I had a reverent fear for this lion, church, I think we need to get back to having a reverent fear for the lion of Judah, the king of kings and lord of lords, the one who is greater than anything. Church, I think we need to get back to having a fear for the one who is more powerful than COVID-19, having a fear for the one who is so much greater. And we need to give him all praise and recognize his sovereignty in all things. The early church had such an awe and reverent fear of God. They had no choice but to tell people about God. Oh, they had no choice but to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the reverent fear they had for him. They also knew what it was to love your neighbor. You know, they would have been, in the early church, the apostles would have been teaching them. And they would have been teaching what Jesus was teaching. Uh, and, and they would have quoted things like Matthew 12, 30 to 31. And you've heard this before. And, and Jesus is saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. See, I think they understood what it was to love their neighbor. And I think it was more than just compassion, although that is important. I think they recognized that loving your neighbor also means to care for their eternity. Loving their neighbor actually means caring for their salvation. They got uncomfortable. So real quick, I just want to give you four points of what I think uncomfortable evangelism looks like. And then we're going to have communion this morning. So if you're taking notes, number one is simply this. Uncomfortable evangelism is everyday evangelism. Every day. I think we need to be evangelizing to our neighbors and colleagues every single day and capitalizing on every moment that God gives us. Let me ask you, do you have an urgency every time you talk to your neighbor to share them with them about Jesus? Do you have an urgency for those conversations? I truly believe that your urgency really reveals your priorities. You see, tonight, my hockey team's going to be playing in the playoffs, and I'm really excited about that. And, and I guarantee you, and I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I guarantee you at 7.59, if my wife comes up and starts talking to me, I'm going to have an urgency to end that conversation soon. Because my game is starting at 8 o'clock, and I need to watch my hockey game. 
You know, in the same way, if you don't have an urgency to talk to your neighbors about Jesus, maybe that reveals something. Maybe you're getting comfortable in the season. I think COVID-19 has been a reason for many of us why we have used it as an excuse to not evangelize to our neighbors, saying, well, I need to social distance, I need to keep my distance. And although that is true, we need to do our part to social distance. I think there are creative ways to still reach the lost. In fact, I would say more now than ever that we need to reach the lost. Listen, your neighbors have been home for months, maybe, and, and you've been able to be in, in close proximity with your neighbors. You've had incredible moments, I'm sure. And, 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 and these are moments in COVID-19, I think more than ever, God is showing us that, listen, our days are numbered, and they're so uncertain. We need to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we don't have time to go into this this morning, but I think COVID-19 is also revealing that Jesus is coming back again soon. And we need to be ready. And we need to be sharing the gospel with everybody we know. So if your neighbors are uncomfortable with you having a conversation closely with them, obviously you need to have your six feet apart. There are creative ways to do this. Driveway hangouts, you know, park a chair in your driveway and have conversations. If they're not comfortable with that, make them a meal if they're comfortable with that. And if they're not comfortable with that, we live in such a great day and time where you can hit a couple buttons on your phone and order food to their house. Great, great ways to start loving your neighbors. Conversation starters. Open those doors. Number two is extraordinary evangelism. You see, I believe that we're called to be different than culture. Well, how do I know this? First Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're called to be different than culture. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but, by the, be, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what does this look like tangibly? Well, I think the big give is a good example of being different than culture. The first time I've ever experienced the big give is when I started coming to Woodvale. And man, it's so, it's so awesome. When have you ever seen a free garage sale, first of all, that has good items? And not just good items, but like thousands of items. You know, when I think of the Big Give, I think we have a great way to love our community, but not just Woodville, the, the church across our nation. And now moving across the globe, we have a way to show the love of Christ through a one-day event on a Saturday morning. It's being different than culture. When do you ever see that in the world? An event that we do annually with our youth that many of you may be aware of is called Spare Change of Life. And we call our youth every year to collect all of their spare change, and we collect it on one night. And we'll collect hundreds of dollars. Sometimes we've collected thousands of dollars. It ain't fun to organize. We've got thousands of dollars of spare change. And we, what we do is we gather it, put it into groups, and we send groups out into the community with a couple of adult leaders. And they go into the community, and they start doing random acts of kindness they start doing random acts of kindness for people in our community. Things like going to the gas station and buying people gas. Going to Tim Hortons and buying people's orders for the next 10 cars in the drive-thru. Going to the grocery store and finding somebody in need and just buying their whole cart of groceries. And then things that aren't monetary, they'll, they'll write up encouragement notes and find somebody on the street and just hand them an encouragement note of, of just love and, and encouragement. It's an incredible moment. So different than culture. So different. When do you ever see that in the world? That's extraordinary evangelism. Being different than 
this world. And that can be scary at some times. You can hear that and be like, man, I don't know if I could do that. Well, let me just simply say this. Sometimes you need to show Christ before you can preach Christ. You know, sometimes you need to show the actions and who Christ is and the love that you give to somebody before you can start preaching him. And in moments like this, the big give, Spirit Change Life, and so many others are ways that we can do that. Number three is extensive evangelism. Moments like this in large groups, preaching to the masses, speaking to the masses. You know, Peter, when he got up, he spoke, and 3,000 people were saved in a moment. That's powerful. And that's important, and we can't disqualify that. These are powerful moments. Think of our, our Easter and our Christmas gatherings. Pastor Mark gets up and preaches the gospel of Jesus to hundreds of people who don't yet know him. Incredible moments that we're able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tash and I were on holidays last weekend. We had our anniversary. We went downtown to the Byward Market. And there were people down in the Byward Market who were holding up signs, playing some music, and saying, Jesus loves you, and he's coming back again soon. Now, we can debate if that's the most effective way to spread the gospel of Jesus, but I will say this. Those people were zealous and passionate about spreading the gospel of Jesus. And that could rub off to some of us this morning, myself included. They were so on fire for God, they were down in the viral market saying, you know what, I don't care if I'm uncomfortable in this moment, I'm going to tell people about Jesus to the masses. Let me ask you this, your social media There may be hundreds of people following you on social media. Hopefully those people know that you're a follower of Christ based on what you post. Oh, don't go there. But I'm right. We have an incredible opportunity in this day and age, more than ever before, where you can influence hundreds of people by pushing one button. That's powerful. Let's be using those tools to glorify the name of God. Amen? Number four is even when evangelism, and I won't take too much time on this this morning, but even, even when evangelism is, we're called to preach the gospel of Jesus despite our situation and circumstance. Sometimes we've had a hard day at work and we come home, and the last thing that we want to do is talk to our neighbor who's, who's kind of walking over to our car. I've had that experience before. I don't know if you have. But I believe in those moments, even when we're not feeling the greatest, even when we've had a hard day, we're called to put, give, give the love of Christ in all instances and evangelize. Capitalize on those moments. Don't let those moments slip you by. We're called to. We're called to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor Mark said it last week. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So if you've been pushing off, saying, I will reach my neighbor tomorrow, next week, next month, that's disobedience. Don't push it off today. We're all called to make disciples of all nations. Pastor Brad, if you want to come back up. But here's the most encouraging part in all of this. Because this can sound very daunting. Here's the most encouraging part in all of this. Verse 47, you can put that back up on the screen. And it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Did you catch that? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Not Peter, not the apostles, not Kyle, not Pastor Brad, not you. The Lord added to their number daily. And that ought to give you peace this morning, church. Because you can know despite what words you say, despite what actions you do, it's not by your actions, not by your words, but it's only by the power of Holy Spirit that lives are transformed. 
And that should give you a peace. As we're talking about being uncomfortable this morning, there ought to be a supernatural peace in your spirit, recognizing, yes, I'm going to get physically uncomfortable, do some things that maybe I normally wouldn't do in the flesh. But I know that I know that the Spirit of God goes before me, and he gives me peace, and he's the one that's going to transform this life. And he's the one that's going to convict, and he's the one that's going to work out the details. I don't know about you, but even that, that gives me peace. That gives me peace. That God is the ultimate author of our faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Evangelism isn't supposed to be comfortable. So when we get uncomfortable for God, that lives are transformed. It ain't your job to save somebody. It's just your job to love them. Just a moment, I'm going to invite Pastor Kimberly up, and we're going to have communion. But before we do that this morning, it'd be no greater honor on a Sunday talking about evangelism to give an opportunity to Get, accept Jesus into your life this morning. And so if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor Kyle, I've never made that moment. We're talking about reaching the lost, but maybe that's me. What we're going to do in just a moment, if you're watching online or here in sight, I'm going to pray. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. But we as a church are going to pray this with you. We're going to do some koinonia this morning, some community, and we're going to pray this prayer with you. So can we pray that? If that's you, just repeat after me. And we're going to pray with you. Dear Jesus, today I recognize I need you. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Come into my heart, I pray. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, I want to say you made the best decision of your life this morning. And before you leave this place, come talk to one of our leaders wearing our volunteer shirts. Come talk to myself. I'll put my mask on. We'll social distance. But you got to tell somebody before you leave this place, okay? If you're watching online, let one of our moderators know. We want to know that you gave your heart to Jesus. Let's get uncomfortable for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Pastor Kimberly. What a great message that we have to share with the world, that Jesus died and rose again, and we can be reconciled with God the Father through Jesus' Son. And this morning, it's my honor and privilege, and I might get emotional because it's my first communion back on site, and it's a wonderful thing. And I'm reading from uh, Luke. I'm going to put my communion cup down here. I'm reading from Luke chapter 22. It said, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. 
For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us take the bread. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let us take up the cup and drink. Let's just take a moment to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your Son, your one and only Son, to give his life for us. Thank you for the tremendous outpouring of your love. And we, we remember today of the cost that it was for you. And we thank you for that gift. May we remember what you have done. And may your Holy Spirit just give us boldness as we have the opportunity to share that good news with others. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It is so good to have you join us on site and online this morning. We're so happy that you were here, and we just pray that you have a blessed week. Thank you.